joke uh, with the staff. It just seems like every Wednesday it rains. It rains on the night that I preach. So I I usually try to have a comeback and say, well, you know, if it didn't rain, we just wouldn't be able to pack them all in here. So that's why it rains. Uh, But I'm glad that not only is it raining out there, that it is raining with the Holy Spirit and his blessings in here. Amen. So I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you have tempted to come out in the midst of the bad weather because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And it's my prayer that you're rewarded tonight uh, by a blessing from God and especially through his word. If you haven't been with us, we have been several weeks on the series. It's going to be a long series. It'll be broken down into particular categories, but we're on the uh, series of spiritual discipline taken from first Timothy chapter four, verse seven where he tells Timothy to discipline himself for the purpose of godliness. And we have, over the last few weeks, we've looked at the discipline of scriptural intake. Tonight we're going to move on to another discipline, which is the discipline of prayer. But before we do that, we're going to do just that. We're going to go ahead and pray. Ask God to anoint me and anoint you as always. Ask for the Spirit of the Lord to be upon us so that God will be glorified tonight. Amen. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are all that we need tonight. You're all that we need to uh, bring peace into our lives. You're all that we need to settle the the storm that might be raging in our soul. You're all that we need to bring healing and to bring hope. Father God, you're all that we need to find direction, to find joy in our life, to find strength, to make it through the storms. We thank you that you're all that we need tonight to receive your word and to receive it with gladness. So that's what we're asking, that you would bless us with the presence of your Holy Spirit. God, that you would touch me and anoint me to bring forth your word with clarity, with understanding, with, with the anointing, Father God, and that you would touch your people to hear as well. Not just hear, but to receive, and not just to receive, but receive with gladness, so that your word would find a place in the soil of our soul, that it would bear fruit and fruit that lasts. Father, for those that might have attempted to come out tonight but couldn't because of the weather, I pray blessings upon them. For those that still might even be on their way, I pray that you would bring them safely, Father God, into the household of grace. Pray the blessing over everything else that's going on in your house this night. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Like I said, last week we finished up on the the spiritual discipline of scriptural intake, the the hearing, the reading, the the studying of God's word. Tonight we're going to move on to another. That's not to say that over the next few weeks or as long as this series of spiritual discipline takes us that we're not going to look at the word again here or there as the Holy Spirit leads me to. But for now, we're going to move on to the discipline of prayer. 
uh, I started, as I started to formulate, as I started to try to lay out the direction as to where we were going to go with the discipline of prayer, uh, I was reminded of the largest radio receiver on earth, which is located in New Mexico. Pilots call it the mushroom patch because from way up there in the sky, it's exactly what it looks like. Some of you may know what it is. Some of you, this might be the first time you've ever heard about it. But its real name is called the VLA, which simply stands for the Very Large Array. And what this array is, it's a series of huge satellite disks on 38 miles of railroad, 38 miles of railway that can be positioned and moved in order to receive the best possible signal that these dishes can gather. Together, all of these disks would equal the size of a telescope that would be the size of Washington, D.C. That's how much information these disks, that's how much detailed information these disks could gather would be like looking through a telescope that was the size of Washington, D.C. That's how far into the universe that these dishes are able to reach. The sole purpose of these disks are to receive signals from outer space, signals from millions and millions of light years away. These disks, in all reality, church, are designed to simply receive signals from the heavens, signals from the dwelling place of God. That's how far these disks are trying to reach in order to receive a signal. And I I say all that to let you know that the the VLA, which it's called, or the, the mushroom patch, demonstrates the tremendous lengths that man and and people have gone to uh, in order to search for little faint messages from beyond. And if you were to visit this, what you would find, you would find banks and banks of mega computers. You would find all sorts of digital analyzers that are have one single purpose, and that's to receive a signal. That's to hear something from outer space, to To receive one little signal, one little word, one little sound. That's the only reason that they're there. When the truth is that God has already spoken from the heavens. The truth is God has already spoken to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And he continues to speak through his word today. Man is seeking the heavens for a word. And all they got to do is realize what we've talked over the last few weeks. That God has already spoken through his son, Jesus Christ. He has spoken through his word and he continues to speak through his word. But not only has God spoken and continues to speak, not only does God have a mouth that can speak and a mouth that can bring forth a word. I said all that to let you know that God also has an ear, that God also has an ear that can hear. God also has eyes that can see. God also has hands that can help us in our time of need. But I want to specifically focus on the fact that not only does God have a mouth that can speak forth his word, he has an ear that can hear our words as well. It doesn't matter how far away we might be from God. God has an ear that can hear. It might seem like we're a million miles away. It might seem like God's a million miles away, and he does. He dwells up in the heavens. But I want you to be encouraged that even though we have a God that lives that far away, He still has an ear or a very large array that can hear every single word that we might speak. We serve a God that can hear every single cry, can hear every single call, can hear every single prayer, can hear every single word that every single created individual on this earth might speak, even all at the same time. You need to understand that Psalm 34:15 says that his eyes are always upon the righteous and his ears continually are opened to their cry. His ear is never closed to the righteous is what this Bible is saying. So if you're in right relationship with God, listen, I don't want to get too far off the fact, that, but I do want you to understand that it says his ears are continually open to the righteous. It's a, for the unrighteous, it's a different story. There's only one cry that God hears from the unrighteous, and that is the cry of repentance. No other cry does he hear from those that are not living for him. It's the only cry that he hears from the unrighteous. He doesn't hear all of the pleas. He doesn't understand what I'm saying. He hears them, but he can't respond to them. The only cry that he hears from the unrighteous is that of repentance. But concerning the righteous, every little sound we make... 
God hears. Every little cry we cry out, he hears. Every prayer we pray, no matter where we're at, no matter where we might be, God hears our prayers. I want you to be encouraged by the fact. I want you to understand and know that if God heard Daniel in a lion's den, and and if he heard Moses in the desert, God can hear you wherever you might find yourself today. There might be some of you that feel like you're in that very same place, like you're in a lion's den. You're surrounded by someone who just can't wait to devour you, chew you up, and spit you out to take away your life. But I want you to understand, if he heard Daniel, he'll hear you. If you find yourself in a a desert place like Moses, wandered for 40 years in the desert because of God's stubborn people, yet he still heard his cry, he can hear your cry as well. He He heard three Hebrew boys when they were standing in a fiery furnace, and he can hear your cry as well. He heard Paul and Silas when they were locked up in a prison cell, down in the center of a prison cell, no light, and it seemed like no hope, surrounded by a bunch of criminals. They were facing execution the next day. They didn't know what their future held, but they understood that tomorrow I might be hung. He heard them in their darkness and in their prison cell, and he can hear you as well. I want to keep going on. He heard Elijah on the mountaintop when he was crying out for rain. And he can hear your cry for rain as well. He heard the children of Israel when they were stuck in bondage, when they were crying out from Egypt, he heard them. He heard David when he was walking up the mountaintop to the place where he went to pray, when Absalom was seeking after his life, when David was surrounded by the enemy and he did not know what tomorrow was going to hold, when David felt like this whole kingdom was about to fall apart, the only thing David knew to do was to climb up this mountain and pray. David knew that if I I might not have a sword and I might not have a mighty army. I might not have a whole bunch of people that I can trust in. I might not have my throne to sit in, but I have a God that's sitting on a throne. I have a God that I can go to in my time of need and cry out to him and he will respond to my prayer. You see, you and I need to understand I'm bringing this discipline of prayer because sometimes like David, we got to cry out from the fiery furnace. Sometimes we got to cry out from the lion's den. Sometimes we got to cry out in our desert place. Sometimes we got to cry out from, from the mountaintop and sometimes we got to cry out from the valley. I want you to understand that, that Jonah cried out from the belly of a whale at the bottom of a sea and God still heard his cry. You and I need to understand that is the power of prayer. And that's the next discipline that we're going to look at. That no matter when or where we cry out to God, He's going to hear us. All we have to do is pray. All we have to do is open up our mouth, open up our heart, and cry out to God. The strangest thing is, we as God's people, this is one of the weakest spiritual disciplines that we have. We make more excuses than we make intercession. And what you and I need to understand that if we want to find victory in our life, if we want to find maturity in our life, if we want to be overcomers in our life, we need more than the Word of God. We need prayer. We need to cry out to God. We need to open up our mouth and call out to a God who has ears that can hear our cry. Because like we sang... He's the only one that can help us. You see, mom and dad might not always be there to help you. Husband or wife might not always be there to help you. Your money might not always be there to bail you out. You need to understand that the things of this world might not always be there to help you, but God will always be there to hear your cry, and he will always be there to help you in your time of need. What we need to understand about spiritual discipline is that the power... Of prayer is second only to the power of God's Word. Without the Word of God and without prayer, every other spiritual discipline that you will try to practice in your life will be empty and it will be powerless. Without connecting to God, here's what I want you to understand without having the Word of God as a foundation of your faith and without connecting to God through prayer, every other spiritual discipline that you try to practice will be meaningless. I say that because here's one. Fasting means absolutely nothing if it is not accompanied by the Word of God and prayer. You see, 
I know a lot of you like me, you might have a schedule where you might have to miss a meal, where you might have to skip a meal. And I want you to understand just because I skip lunch doesn't mean I'm fasting. Just because I skip dinner doesn't mean I'm fasting. Just because my schedule is so busy that I can't have breakfast doesn't mean I'm fasting. Fasting isn't fasting unless it's accompanied by the word of God and prayer. Fasting isn't fasting unless you take that time when you would normally sit down and feed your flesh. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. But what it's saying is instead of satisfying the flesh, I'm going to take this time and I'm going to dedicate it to the word of God. And I'm going to dedicate it to prayer. And this is why I'm saying without the word of God and without prayer, every other spiritual discipline that we try to practice is meaningless. It will not have power and it will not work. In other words, another example, praise is empty without the power of God. Worship is empty without the power of God. I I say all that, church, because I don't believe that you can go all week. I don't believe you can go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday without connecting to God. And then think you can walk in here on Sunday and worship God in spirit and in truth. I don't think you can truly come into the house of God and worship that which you don't even know. You can't even worship that which you don't even communicate with. When Paul was walking through a a particular city, he saw a whole bunch of statues. And one of those idols and one of those statues said to an unknown God. And what these these uh, Romans were trying to do was to cover their basis. They they worshipped all the, the different gods, the God of the sun and the God of the earth and the God of the moon and all the other gods. And just in case there was another God out there, they stuck up an idol that said unto an unknown God and they would go worship this this unknown God. You see, we do that all the time. We come into the house of God and we sing songs and we worship and, and, and we, 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 we demonstrate some sort of an affection to a God we don't even know. And why is it we don't know him? Because we never communicate with him. Because we never read the word of God. Because we never find a place of prayer. Because we never open up our mouth and talk to the creator of the universe. You and I cannot go all week without the word of God and think we can come in and truly worship God. We can't. We might be able to sing a song. We might be able to carry a tune. We might be able to clap our hands. We might be able to get all excited, but we cannot truly worship God and exercise the spiritual discipline of praise and worship without the word of God and prayer being attached to it. If you want to experience true praise and worship, start praying. If you want to truly come into the house of God and feel the presence of the God and and, the, and a reason to rejoice, if you want to come into the house of God on a Sunday morning, whoa, and feel a dance in your feet and, and feel a song in your heart and feel a reason to lift up your I, I don't know why, God, but I just can't keep my hands down. I don't know why, God, but I just can't keep still. I don't know why, God, but there's just something bubbling up inside of me. I promise if you dedicate yourself to the discipline of prayer, that's what will happen happen in your life. Amen. Far too often we walk in and we wonder why there's no movement in our life. It's because there's no movement in our prayer closet. It's because we haven't bent to knee in weeks or months or sometimes even years. We've been waiting on someone else to carry that load for us. But when Paul, listen to me, when Paul spoke to Timothy and said, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, he was talking about prayer. He was talking about the word of God. He was talking about fasting. He was talking about all these things. And I say all that just to let you know, I talked about the word first because in the beginning was the word it was the foundation of our faith and then built upon that is prayer you need to understand without the word of god and without prayer your spiritual life is not going to be really anything at all so that's where we're going to start with the the word of god first and then with prayer the truth is as difficult as it may be to hear or even do and as many reasons as you and i might come up with or excuses uh, to not pray The reality is, if we want to be like Jesus, if we want to be godly, if we want to be holy, if we want to be righteous, if we want to be profitable to the master, if we want to be fit and ready for any good work, if we want to be instant, in season, in and out, if we want to be able to give an account of the hope that lies within us, when anyone asks us, we must pray. 
We can't do any of those things without prayer. We can't be godly without prayer. We can't be righteous without prayer. We cannot, we cannot share the gospel without prayer. We cannot speak the word of God without prayer. We need to understand this. The thing that we need to understand, church, is that excuses will not move the devil out of your way. You and I need to understand when it comes to prayer, excuses will not move the, the, the kingdoms of heaven on our behalf. You see, the devil's not afraid of excuses, and God won't jump for our excuses either. You see, you can make all the excuses you want as to why you can't pray, and I can make all the excuses I want as to why I can't pray today. But I want you to know that devil's not afraid of my excuses. The devil loves my excuses not to pray. The devil loves your excuses not to pray. As soon as he hears an excuse out of our mouth as to why we won't pray, guess who he sends your way? About a thousand demons. Because he said, this person's not ready to make it through the day. This person's making excuses instead of making intercession. And the devil will not tremble at the person that makes excuses. You know who the devil's going to tremble at? He's going to tremble at the individual that gets down on his knees, that begins to to lift up their eyes until the hills from whence they know their help comes from because their help comes from the Lord the creator of heaven and earth this is who the devil trembles at the Bible tells us that the prayer the fervent prayer the fervent effectual prayer of the righteous one availeth much you see the fervent prayer of a righteous man makes heaven move it causes the devils to tremble it releases power the effectual prayer of a righteous man does something an excuse never will you and i need to understand that the house of god sadly is filled with fervent excuses rather than fervent prayer but fervent excuses produce nothing but the lack of power Fervent excuses produce nothing but losers. And I'm not calling any of us losers. But listen, if you don't pray, you can't win. If you don't pray, you can't have victory in your life. If you're, if you're, if you're not a winner in the kingdom of God, guess what? You're a loser. And I want, and I'm not saying that in a negative way. I know the, I know that uh, society today doesn't like this competition thing. They don't like to, to, to name winners and losers. But I want you to know when it comes to spiritual things, you will win or you will lose. You will live or you will die. I don't care what the world tells you. There is one way to God and it's through Jesus Christ. You need to understand that you will win your battle or you will lose your spiritual battle. And you cannot win it. Without the word of God in prayer, you and I can make all the excuses that we want, but it will not bring victory into our life. The fervent prayer of the righteous produce great things in your life. You want to accomplish great things for the kingdom of God? Start praying. You want to accomplish great things for the family of God and the house of God? Start praying. You want, to, you want to accomplish some great things in your personal walk with God? Start praying. You want to accomplish some great things in your faith walk? Just simply start praying. Pray. This is one of the things that there's so many people in the house of God. The only prayer they pray is now I lay me down to sleep or uh, God is great and God is good or or the prayer. They, they join in with the prayer that the pastor prays on Sunday or the prayer that I pray on Wednesday and they don't pray the rest of the week. And then they wonder why nothing seems to be working out in their life. They wonder why victory is fleeting and why they're conquered instead of being a conqueror. The very first step to practicing the discipline of prayer is to understand that God expects us to pray. You and I as, as believers, as Christians, as sons and daughters of the Most High God need to understand that it is God's will for us to pray. And if we don't pray, we're not following God's will. It's his desire. These are, these are things that you can find in Scripture, and I'm not going to list them all, but the Bible tells us that his will is for us to pray. His desire is for us to pray. His word tells us to pray, and the Spirit prompts us to pray. We must pray, church. Therefore, when we talk about spiritual disciplines, here's what you and I need to understand, that God does not present them to us like some kind of spiritual buffet table. We have this mentality that God, when he talks about spiritual disciplines, is, is putting out a buffet table before us, like down at Golden Corral. Well, I'll take a little bit of this, but I won't take some of that. I'll take some of this, but I won't take some of that. Well, I, 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 I'll read, but I won't pray. I, I, I'll fast, but I won't give my tithes. I'll do this, but I, I won't do that. 
You see, what you and I need to understand is that when God presents us with this platter of spiritual disciplines, we've got to eat all of them. We've got to have a well-balanced spiritual diet and partake of every spiritual discipline that we can. If we don't, we will not be healthy spiritually. We can't say, okay, God, well, it's okay, I'll pray, but I won't read the Word. Or I'll read the Word and I'll pray, but I'm not ever going to fast. Or I'm not going to talk. We cannot leave out any of these spiritual disciplines. When God speaks about them in the Word of God, we have to discipline ourselves in every one of these disciplines. The, the habits of devotion that we talked about so that we can truly receive the power that God has for us. So they are not a spiritual buffet. And yet sometime as God's people, we do it every day. We pick and choose what we want, when we want it, how we want it. And if it's not just like we want it, then what? Then all of a sudden, you know, there goes our faith. There goes, you know, if it, like I said, if, it's, if the music isn't just the way we want, then we don't praise the way God wants us to. If something happens with our finances, then, then we don't tithe the way God wants us to. So we need to understand that all of these spiritual disciplines must be put into practice in our life. We cannot think of prayer as some impersonal request made from some stranger that you don't even know. Some meaningless exercise that has no purpose because we've already learned the purpose of spiritual discipline. And it's to make us godly church. We've got to realize that the creator of the universe, the person of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, expects you and I to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, expects you and I, his sons and daughters, his created sons and daughters, to pray. And we've got to pray. He expects us to communicate with him and not treat him like he's some stranger that we can walk on by every single day. We need to communicate with our Father which is in heaven. I hope you and I understand, church, that the word never, it never presents prayer as an option to our faith. You will never find in Scripture a reference or a passage that, that refers or, or uh, presents prayer as an option to our faith. Because it is expected of us. That's why it's not an option, because God expects it of us. Prayer is never presented as a spiritual or a discipline of devotion that can be overlooked or set aside. Yeah, we can overlook it. Yeah, we can set it aside. Yeah, we can uh, deny this discipline uh, in our lives. But the scripture never presents it as a discipline that can be overlooked. Never can be set aside, never can be overshadowed by anything else in our lives, because we will suffer spiritually if we do not pray. The truth is, we'll even suffer physically when we don't pray. We'll suffer mentally when we don't pray. You see, what you and I need to understand is that when we are not in communication with the power of heaven, spiritually we will suffer when we are not in communication with our Creator, the one that created this body, we will suffer physically. When we are not in communication with the Father and allowing His words and, and His will and, and His thoughts to become our thoughts and, and occupy our mind, when we do not have our minds set on things above where God is seated, guess who's going to invade your mind? Guess who's going to invade your thoughts? The devil will, and your mind will become corrupt. Your mind will become tormented. Your mind will be Become lost. Your mind can even go crazy. I want you to understand any individual you know that's, uh, and I, how do I want to say it, that, that has mental problems, somewhere in their life they lost connection with God. Somewhere in their life their mind was not covered with the power of heaven in their life. They opened up the door to something else and the, and, and, and the power of heaven was not on their mind. When we do not pray, we lose connection with the Father in every area of our life, physically, mentally, spiritually, it will suffer without the Word of God and without prayer. Jesus in Matthew 6, 5 says this, And when you pray, and I want you to understand how he's saying this, and in, in this series we may even look at, we may even look at this, this particular prayer, but right now I don't want to look at it other than he says this. He says, and when you pray, he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to an individual that asked him a question about prayer. And he said, and when you pray as if it's expected that we will all pray. He speaks it in such a way. He refers to prayer as a natural outflow of our faith. 
One verse later, Matthew 6, 6, he says again, but when you pray. In Matthew 6, 7, another verse later, he says, and when you pray, he says it once again. In Matthew 6, 9, two verses after that one, he says, this then is how you should pray. Four times in five verses, Jesus makes prayer our priority. Four times in five verses, he says, when you pray. And here's what I want you to understand. He makes prayer our personal responsibility. He said, when you pray. He looked at his disciples and said, when you pray. When you pray. When you pray. When you pray. He said it four times. I don't think they could have walked away without the understanding that God wants me to pray. And we can't walk, or we can't walk out of here tonight without the understanding that God wants you to pray. Not just the pastor, not just the staff, not just someone else, not just the elders, not just the leaders. He wants you to pray. Not just your spouse, not just your family. He wants you to pray. Because unless you pray, he cannot bring victory into your life. He'll bring victory into someone else's life. Remember I told you before, you know, if you don't allow the word of God to do something in your life, it'll do it in someone else's. Prayer is the same way. If you don't communicate with God, he'll communicate with someone else. If you don't open up that door of power through communication with God in your life, it, it'll pour out into someone else's life. But it's made available to us. Listen, God's word, make, God's word makes the priority of prayer very clear. And we must heed his word. Here's what I want to look at. I'm going to look at actually two verses in the rest of the amount of time before we close. Colossians 4.2 says that we are to vote it says devote yourself to prayer you see the reality is you and i will be devoted to someone or something our entire life you and i will be devoted to someone or something our entire life every day you'll be devoted to someone or you'll be devoted to something something will always be a priority in your life something will always be made room for Something or someone will always be sacrificed for or inconvenienced for in your life. So I say that to let you know that when we are devoted to someone or something, it will take precedence in our life. It will take priority in our life. When the word of God, when, the, when you are devoted to the word of God, guess what? It's going to take precedence in your life. It's going to take priority in your life. When you, the same way, are devoted to prayer, it's going to take precedence and priority in your life. When you are devoted to someone or something, you'll sacrifice for it. You'll shuffle your schedule around for it. You'll spend time and money and effort on it. You'll set your mind on it and you'll fully embrace it. Whenever you are devoted to something, this is what you will do. And when you're devoted to something, you will be solemnly committed to it. That's the definition. When you are devoted to something, you will be solemnly committed to it and neither hell nor high water is going to drag you away from it. When you're devoted to a sports team, I, boy, I know a lot of sports fans and there's, you know, whether it's the Georgia Bulldogs, whether it's the Alabama Crimson Tide, whether it's whatever where I came from, Penn State, whether it's the Atlanta Falcons, whether it's a basketball, whatever it is, you got some team, you got some fans that are so devoted uh, to their team that they'll drive 200 miles to go see a game. They'll spend all sorts of money on all sorts of seats and buy all sorts of stuff to, to, to wear while they're there and they'll spend $10 for, for a beer and they'll spend, you know, $10 for a little soft pretzel that you could get for a quarter somewhere else. I say all that to let you know, to say that when you are devoted to something, you'll go to an extreme to make sure it's part of your life. And what Paul is telling Timothy, I want you to be devoted to the word of God. I want you to go to an extreme for the word of God. I want you to sacrifice for it. I want you to shuffle your schedule around for it. I want you to spend your time and your money and your strength on your F and your effort on it. I want it to be a precedent in your life. I want it to be a priority in your life. Because Timothy, if it's not, you're not going to be an example of the Father. If it's not, your ministry will not work. If you're not in the Word and you're not devoted to prayer, if you're not devoted to God, your ministry will fail, Timothy. And ours will fail as well. You and I cannot fulfill the call of God upon our life without the word of God and without prayer. The reality is it takes very little to keep most of us from our place of prayer. And I'm not, I'm not pinpointing any of you. 
I'll pinpoint myself as well. There's been plenty of times in my life where it takes very little to keep me from a place of prayer. For a lot of people, it's a TV show. For a lot of people, it's a relationship. For a lot of people, maybe it's just going out to dinner or going to a movie. Maybe it's a ball game. Maybe it's practice. Maybe it's their job. Maybe it's something. But every single one of us in our life can find that simple little area that keeps us from prayer. And what Paul was saying to Timothy, don't let prayer ever take a second seat to anything except maybe the word of God. Because the word of God came first. But the, the prayer, the discipline of prayer should not take a second seat to anyone, church. You and I need to understand and cannot forget that prayer is a demonstration of our devotion to God. Prayer is a demonstration of our devotion to God. Prayer is an example of our solemn commitment to Christ, and it is the second most important devotion that we can have, and it cannot afford to be overlooked. 1 Kings 8.61, I've shared it over the last couple of weeks, but I remind you of this passage because it applies here. 1 Kings 8.61 says, let your hearts be wholly devoted to the Lord. Devoted means, again, to be set apart for a special and higher call. This is what it says. Let your hearts be wholly set apart for the Lord. Let your hearts be fully set apart for the Lord. For a higher purpose and a higher call. And here's what I want you to know, church. You probably know it already, but there is no higher call in your life than to share the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. There is no higher call in your life than to first share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And secondly, it is the call to prayer. Those are the two highest calls that you and I will ever receive in our life. It is to share the good news to a lost and dying world. And the second is our call to prayer. You may not agree with it, but it's biblical. If you have questions concerning it, I'll give you all the scriptures that you need. There's two things that every Christian were called to. It is called to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We, every single one of us, have, have received the call to go into the highways and the byways and to share the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and a dying world. The second thing that every single one of us were called to was a place of prayer. Doesn't matter where it is, but God has called us to prayer. These are the two highest calls that we can receive in our life. And yet we are treating both of those calls as if they are optional to our faith. We're treating both of those calls as if something else should be more important. We're treating both of those calls as if we were not called to do them by God. Like some stranger called us to do them. Like there's something that we can just pick and choose to do. But I want you to know, church, these are two calls that we must answer in our lives. And I believe if we don't, we're going to answer to God for it. Both of those calls must be answered in our life. Not only are we to be devoted to prayer, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 tells us that we are to pray continually. That we are to pray without ceasing. And I know a lot of you, when you first read that, you probably understand it now. But a lot of you might think, well, what's that mean? I'm supposed to just get on my knees and pray 24 hours a day. That no matter what I'm doing, I'm supposed to just be praying and praying and praying. When I go to work, I'm supposed to just pray. No, that's not what it means. What it means is that you and I are to be in continual contact with God. It means that we are to have an attitude of prayer every moment of every day. What it means is that when you're driving down the road, whatever it is you're doing, your attitude should be that, that at any moment God could interrupt me to pray, that God could interrupt me to call out to him, to, to pray for someone else or to pray for myself. What it means is that when you're in a meeting with your boss, you should have an attitude of prayer that, that, that God should be part of that process that's going on. You might be talking to your boss, but you got to be talking to God at the same time. You might be talking to an employee, but you got to be talking to God at the same time. You might be, you might be cooking. You might be cleaning. You might be flying an airplane. You might be doing whatever it is that God has called you to do, but to be to pray continually means that at any moment, at any time, I could shift gears, shift my mind, and call out to God. This is what it means to continually pray. 
It would be kind of silly for you to be in a meeting with your boss and start praying to God. Although there are times God may call you to do that. But typically, you don't want to be that kind of individual. You're sitting in a prayer meeting and all of a sudden you start speaking in tongues, you know, instead of closing the deal that God brought to the table. Sometimes we got to use some common spiritual sense. You want to speak in tongues? Do it before you go to the meeting. Do it before you get there. Trust God to open the door and do what you've prayed that he will do. And then watch him do it while you're there. But while you're there, still be in constant communication with the Father. Why? Because he might tell you to say something. He might tell you to do something. He might tell you to walk away. He might tell you to add something to the bargain. He might tell you, no, this is going to steer you the wrong way. Or I want you a million miles away from here. But if you are not in constant prayer, if your mind and your spirit is not in constant contact with God, you're going to hurt yourself. You could ruin your life by not being in constant communication with the Father. This is what you and I need to understand, church. We are to pray continually. Prayer is an expression of our unbroken relationship with the Father. An unbroken relationship with the Father. And without prayer, that relationship will break. Without prayer, that relationship will falter. Without prayer, that relationship with the Father will fade. When you stop talking to your spouse, when you stop communicating to your kids, your relationship with them will fail, church. One of the, one of the greatest reasons relationships fail is a lack of communication. Communication stops and people begin to grow apart. When you stop communicating with God, that relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords will fade. And the same thing goes, look, in your own house, that relationship will falter, it will fade. You might be in the same house, but without communication, there will be no life between you and your spouse or you and your kids. There'll be no affection between you, no camaraderie between you, no romance between you, no love between you. And the same exact thing goes with God. It happens all the time with the people of God. They come to church. They sit in the house of God. They have their name on some membership role, church. They might even be serving in a particular ministry, but they are still strangers to God because they don't pray. Because they have a broken relationship with the Father. This is what you and I need to understand. Yeah, God wants you to come to church. Yeah, God wants you to be here. Yeah, God wants you to hear the word. But above all of those things, you see, coming to the house of God is even a discipline after the discipline of prayer. Because if you're not in communication with God, all that other stuff doesn't really mean anything. The house of God is filled with sons and daughters who are strangers to their father. They're strangers to their heavenly father. They have no clue, no communication with them. And they're sitting in the house of God. Paul did not want Timothy to be a stranger to his heavenly father. And he doesn't want us to be a stranger to our father either. That's why he said, Paul said, pray continually. Be devoted to prayer. Pray continually because you cannot afford to have your relationship with the father broken. We cannot listen. I know as many of you, I think all of us have been in a place where we've been in a broken relationship with God. Amen. Every one of us in some place, even if it was before we got saved, we were in a broken relationship with the Father. Nothing goes good when you're in that spot. It might for a season, but after that, boy, let me tell you, it just piles up. Before you know it, you're bearing it. You got a burden on you that you can't bear. So be in constant communication with the Father. Praying continually means we should never lose contact with God. It's like the Internet. When the Internet first came on the scene, I know that some of you, I'm not, I know I'm not the oldest one here, and I know I'm not the youngest one here, so I'm in a safe spot. But when the Internet first came on the scene, or at least when I first got my computer, had a little modem, and you know, you could only use the phone line, and it had the dial up, and you had to wait. You heard this beep, and you kept waiting for it to dial and dial and connect, and it would reconnect and reconnect, and you'd sit there for 20, 25 minutes sometimes, you know, just to connect on AOL. But it's, it's different today. Then you had to dial up, and you had to wait for that connection. 
And when you got the connection, you only had a little bit of time. And then when you were done, you lost that connection and you had to start the process all over again. But today with DSL, today with cable Internet, it's called you're always on. It's always on. Any moment, any time, you can sit down on that computer. If you have your web browser open, any time of the day, any moment, you can turn it on and talk to the entire world. This is the kind of prayer God wants us to have. He doesn't want us in this situation where you just dial them up now and then. He doesn't want you in this relationship where when something bad happens in your life, you got to dial them up and wait for Him to answer. What God wants is He wants you to always be on. He wants you to always be ready. He wants that spiritual web browser to always be ready to make contact with Him. If he's got something to say, he can send something your way. If you got something to say, you got to cry out, you got a need, you got to always be on. I know this is technology, but listen, God's got God's got more technology than all of all of the uh the wisdom of this earth and God is telling us prayer in the same way. You've got to always be on. You've got to always be ready. You've always got to be connected. God should always, listen, we should be in constant communication with God no matter what our responsibilities or our duties might be. God should always have an arena in our life. God should always, church, we should always be ready to give Him front page and center stage to every area of our life. And we should always be ready to communicate with Him. Go ahead and put on the music because I'm going to bring this to a close. We'll finish up most of this next week and continue on. But I want us to remember, church, That God has made a way for us to approach Him. I want you to understand that God didn't just say, pray, without making a way for you to pray. He, He doesn't call us to do something that He doesn't equip us to do. And here's what you and I need to understand. God has made a way for us to approach Him. God has made a way for us to talk to Him. God has made a way for us to communicate with Him and express ourselves to Him. He's made a way for us to come before His throne. He's made a way for you and I, even though we're sinners, to stand before Him blameless with great joy. And it's through His Son, Jesus Christ. God has opened up a door of communication through the work and the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. And you and I have to take advantage of it. We must be devoted to prayer and we must pray without ceasing. You see, in just the the couple minutes that I have, it used to be that only the high priest could come before the throne room of God. It used to be that only the high priest could speak to God and make sacrifice for God. But through the blood of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made, now anyone can call on God and be saved. Whosoever, the Bible says, would call on the name of the Lord to be saved shall be saved. It used to be that only the high priest could enter into his presence. But because of the work and the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, now every single one of us, church, have the opportunity to enter into the throne room of God that we might find help in our time of need. And we do that through this spiritual discipline called prayer. The veil, church, was a representation of Jesus Christ who was ripped in two for you and me. He was torn For you and me, he was ripped so that you and I could have access to the Father. That's why Jesus is able to say, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. No one goes to God except through the door, through the veil of Jesus Christ that was rent for you and me. No longer would man have to burn offerings. No longer would man have to make animal sacrifices. No longer would the throne room of God be limited to the high priest. No longer would we be in broken relationship with the Father because Jesus Christ made a way for us to come boldly before the throne room of grace that we might find help in our time of need. And that's what I want to close with, church. You and I need to understand that you cannot keep the faith without prayer. You cannot grow without prayer. You cannot mature without prayer. You can't stay connected to Christ without prayer. And I don't believe we can maintain our Christianity without prayer. To be a Christian means to be like Jesus Christ. And if we want to make that claim, then we must be devoted to prayer. I want to share this one last thing before we do. When we don't pray, I believe we devalue the blood of Jesus Christ. Because he shed his blood so that you and I could pray. 
He shed his blood so that you and I could come before our Father. And when we don't pray, we devalue the blood of Jesus Christ. We devalue the sacrifice that he made. When we don't pray, we forfeit the power that it was intended to provide in our life. And this is why Paul said, devote yourself to prayer because it's filled with power. It's why he said, pray continually and pray without ceasing because he does not want us to have a broken relationship with the father. Because if we do, we cannot receive the things that God has for us. We can't receive the power or the mercy or the grace or the strength or the wisdom or the insight the patience, whatever it is that we need to be, everything that God's called us to be, comes through the spiritual discipline of prayer. So if you're here tonight and you're just willing to say, God, over the next few weeks, I'm going to make myself a vessel. I'm going to make myself available to improve in this spiritual discipline of prayer. Maybe you've got a great prayer life. Maybe you don't. But wherever you are in your prayer life, how many of you know it can even get better? We can even go deeper. We can even increase. So that's all I'm saying. If you're here tonight and you say, God, I'm going to commit to prayer, then stand with me tonight and we're going to close. We'll finish up next week with a few things I didn't get to cover. But I want to challenge you through this week, church. If you have been setting prayer aside, you're missing out on a lot of what God has for you. If you've been making excuses instead of intercession, God wants that to turn around so that he can bring blessings into your life. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this evening. I thank you for your Holy Spirit, God, that has brought forth some things for us to chew on, some things for us to hide in our heart, Father God. I thank you for the challenge of your word. And now I pray tonight, Father God, that every word that was spoken would find a fertile place in the soil of our soul. I pray, God, that not one single word would be snatched away by the devil. That we wouldn't allow any of the, the words that you have spoken into our lives to escape us come tomorrow. Allow it to escape us come next week or even next month. But I pray that every word that is spoken would take root in the soil of our soul. That it would bear fruit and fruit that it would last. I pray God that you would teach us to be prayer warriors. I pray, God, that you would help us to understand that you expect us to pray. But not only do you expect us to pray, you empower us to pray. And you've made a way for us to pray. So I pray that we would take, take advantage of that opportunity, God, to, to devote ourselves to prayer and to pray without ceasing. In everything that we do throughout this week, I pray that we would make you a part of it. That we would always be on, that we would always be ready to pray, always be ready to call out, cry out, and make you a part of whatever we're doing at that moment. Cover your people as they leave tonight, Father. Protect them. Set your angels as a hedge about them. Keep every single one of us, God, from injury, from accident, from any harm, from any evil. And I thank you that there is no weapon formed against us that shall prosper. I thank you, Father God, that the fervent, effectual prayer of the righteous can do great things and releases the power of God into our lives. So let us experience that this week. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Can we just bless the Lord, church, as we always do? Amen. If you have a special need, I'll tarry.